As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. NBA Draft Podcast uh, with your host, Mark Schindler. That's me and Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. I'm in the middle of midterms week, life of a college student, but extremely excited for college basketball to be back. It's, it's I was listening to Titus and Tate this morning on my walk to class. Um, we're getting the juices flowing. Yeah, no, exactly, man. I was, uh, I've been listening to Ion College Basketball to get back into the swing of things, too. Um, going over all the Ken Palm rankings, uh, just <laughs> That, you know, like doing everything to to kind of get back into it and get ready. Uh, I've I don't know if you have the score on your phone. I use that for all my like uh, my stat tracking and everything. So I already have like all the games set up for the next three weeks that I want to watch. I'm probably not going to get to all of them, but I'm going to try. <laughs> it's going to be a, I think I accidentally like I, I always tell myself only do four per day. And then I end up putting like nine on. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just figure this out in the future. But yeah, you know, I was looking because I, I, it never really hit me that like the Champions Classic isn't the a first actual game. And so I was looking at like, oh, my God, what basketball could I watch at like 2 p.m. to like, kick this thing off? And I don't know. I didn't really find any intriguing process game so i'm sure we can work out something yeah but it'll be good tuesday to yeah tuesday and every day moving forward um it's gonna be awesome yeah man i'm i'm stoked um well as you just mentioned uh we are recording this before the champions classic uh well before like a week before um so we're doing a little bit of a a premiere into the headed into the season uh Obviously, you and I are not hot takes people, but like more putting out like some conjecture on how we feel about the class coming in. Um, some ideas with that. I know you had a way that you kind of wanted to fashion it. Um, so give us a little bit of background before we dive in. I mean, I think instead of kind of going through like a, a traditional big board ranking where we 
try to split hairs between prospects that we don't really have a full sample of, especially with the COVID circumstances. I kind of wanted to frame it um, as we're going to go through different categories and we're going to explore certain prospects that we haven't, that were some that we're higher on, some we think are a little bit underrated, some that might be a little bit overrated. Um, and then also explore certain team contexts as well, because it's very important when evaluating prospects. So we're going to talk both those things. Um, as I said to you before, all things that are certainly certainly won't become hot take or <laughs> freezing cold takes at the end of the cycle. But we're going to lay it all out there now and go from there. Yeah, I actually I already know that one of the things I say is not going to be something that jives with a lot of people. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But uh, I think the first thing we can start off with, we, we'll, we'll start big and break it down. Uh, most confusing teams slash context headed into the year. So obviously this doesn't mean, you know, that we're completely out on a guy or on a team, but more just we got questions, man. Um, when I was really parsing through things, you know, going over some of the mainstream boards, um, trying to get my bearings, going back over some notes from last year too, uh, I really just came away with a lot of questions and, uh, that's part of why I'm so excited for this season, but also I'm just, uh, I'm racking my, rack my brain trying to figure out where some things are going to go. Um, which team or, or, or context for a prospect for you is going to be one of the more confusing ones or, or ones that you're closely keeping tabs on as the year begins? Um, I think we can, I mean, we can start with Montero and overtime elite. I think that's yeah. probably like the most glaring context where it's just this is going to be incredibly difficult i mean the jerseys are quite literally glaring at you on screen so yeah <laughs> and you know, montero is playing well both the thompson twins are paying are playing well but they're playing high school competition uh, these are high school teams and they are not three the three best high school teams in the country they don't get to play img academy they don't get to play montford um i don't think they're going to play AZ Compass, maybe they do. Um, but again, these are high school players and they played Vertical Academy, which is Mikey Williams' team. And I watched them at the Border League. They are not very good, um, especially through the lens of evaluating a potential first round talent. So just stacking up his play against the other prospects, especially for a guard, because small guards can especially struggle uh, when they ascend up levels. Like that's definitely one that I'm going to struggle with. Yeah, no, it's really funny because I uh, even last year, I tried to take everything from Ignite with like a grain of salt of saying, OK, this is a lot harder than what it would look like playing in, against D1 athletes. No idea what to think of overtime. Like I haven't gotten into any of the overtime tape yet. Like I've seen clips, but I haven't I haven't watched the full game yet, Mo mainly because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this. Um So, yeah, I agree. If, if you hadn't put it down, I would have put it down as well. I just don't really know. Um, what this is going to look like at the end of the year. I still don't. I, I just have a lot of questions about overtime in general, but strictly on court. Yeah, that's it's a lot for me. Um, I think the biggest one for me coming into this year is Memphis. Um, I just have so many questions, like obviously insanely talented. Imani Bates is going to be there for two years um, or theoretically two years. Um, Jalen Duran, who I, I love Jalen Duran. Uh, watching him IMG was fantastic. I mean, Montverde was fantastic playing against IMG. Um, and I just don't really know what to get out of this team, though. Uh, like, obviously, I think you can look at it from the lens of Penny Hardaway played in the NBA, was a great NBA player. There were promising signs last season from him as a coach. Like, he knows what to do to develop guys and get them into the NBA. But also, like, I, it feels like, A, this is going to be asking a lot out of Imani Bates in terms of running the offense that I don't know if I've seen is there. Um, and I don't mean that in a harsh way. That's just asking a lot out of somebody to come in this early and do that. And also like what guard is there on this roster that first of all, what guard is there other than Lester Kinones? And second of all, like, I, I don't know. I just don't know how you're getting the most out of that front court. Cause the, like the majority of their best players are in the front court playing three through five. Um, that's great. But I'm just like, how are you putting them in the best positions to to be used offensively um, and to best shine? And I'm just uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm very intrigued to see how it looks this year, um, but I, I feel like it's going to be pretty clunky. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, personally, uh, in, in my opinion, if you watched uh, Earl Timberlake's senior year at Tamatha, you would think that point Timberlake is the answer, uh, especially considering what they have right now. But 
uh, it looks like they're going to give Amoni those responsibilities. And like you said, uh, Amoni reclassed up. I'm not so sure what his birthday is. I definitely should know that. But again, like this is someone who was playing Peach Jam three months ago, um, obviously had his struggles last year in the high school circuit, had some similar struggles in the AAU circuit. Um, every kind, every pass he makes is like a, it gets clipped. Like every pick and roll pass is just like a regular kick out, gets clipped. Um, and I just think there's going to definitely be some bumps on the road, some learning curves. Now, if their goal is to, to develop Amoni and, and wait it out and, and, you know, take it from more of a developmental standpoint, then sure, that's great. But I mean, I feel like they're going to be a, a team that is going to want to win basketball games and be competitive based on all the talent that they have on the roster. So I think like it, that is definitely the team I'm most interested in seeing. Um, and it's a good point about the front court as well. It's, it's all... Like they have guys um, like Josh Minot is a guy that's worth tracking as well. Uh, he's probably going to come off the bench as like their sixth or seventh, maybe even eighth man. I don't know. Um, I'm very interested to see how Penny handles the rotation and also just schematically who's going to get touches. Do they play through Darren in the post? They play through Moni. Uh, do Lester and Earl have handling reps? Like it's all, it could be really clunky, but I mean, they have talent. So that's going to be very, very fascinating to track them with you on that one. Yeah, I am really hoping for a lot of Jalen Duran as a role man, as a DHL operator. We saw some of that, uh, or more just we saw some of his passing feel and ability um, with Montverde. I want to see more of that. That is like the biggest thing I want to see out of him because we know he's a ridiculous athlete. We know he can he can play incredibly good defense when he's locked in. Um, and just seeing is he going to be more locked in too? There's, there's just a lot of question marks for Memphis, man. Um, yeah. But still excited. So uh, what's the next one for you? Um, I had two quick ones, honestly. Montero was the big one. Uh, Peyton Watson at UCLA, that is something I'm going to be very interested to see. Um, in high school, Peyton was the guy. Everything, he was the creator. He showcased some pretty intriguing like handling ability in, in certain avenues of creation. And then on Team USA, I was kind of expecting him to take on a creation role as well. And he kind of just turned into like this energizer bunny wing off the bench. He was just so fun to watch, man. So fun to watch. Um, and it just was not what I expected at all. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think it bodes well for his projection that he can fit and kind of just slide into the multiple roles. And I loved his energy. He was definitely struggled on offense. And I think, I think because of, and I, we've, I've talked about this with a bunch of people, I think Henry and I might have talked to about this maybe on Twitter, maybe on our locker room show. I can't remember. I've definitely spoken about it with him um, with the strength struggles that could be similar to BJ Boston have, had had last year. Um, just, just being that frail and the issues that could arise as a creator at the college level. Um, but this is more about just the kind like UCLA is going to be one of the most competitive teams in the country. They definitely want to win a championship. And I'm just very curious how long his leash is going to be, honestly. Um, as a wing who does have that offensive talent. I want him to try stuff, uh, but again, how conducive is that to what UCLA wants to do as a team? Uh, they bring back Juzang, they bring back Hakez, Tiger Campbell. Like they just have a laundry list of kind of seasoned vets. And I'm very interested to see where he slides into that. And I hope he doesn't get boxed out. And then the last one was AJ Griffin. Um, just in terms of Duke having a ton of options and AJ, is a tough shot maker, but again, it's tough. Um, he needs, he's not someone who's very efficient off the tag. We've never seen AJ in a role where he's attacking close off a quick one dribble rip drive. Um, he likes pick and roll reps and he's capable and I'm not, this shouldn't be coming off as me as down on him, but I think a lot of it's going to go through Roach and Boncaro to start. Um, Wendell, Moore, Wendell Moore will probably get his touches. Um, Keels is going to get his fair share. And I just think there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and someone has to give. So I'm going to be very curious to see where AJ Griffin finds himself on that hierarchy. Yeah. And it's so odd with everything injury wise too. Like I know he played in the exhibition, which surprised some people. Um, I don't know, man. It just, it feels like uh, it doesn't feel exactly like the Duke year when it was Bagley and Wendell Carter, but in some ways, like there's just a lot of guys on that team who are capable of taking, taking on ball reps, which is part of what happens when you're playing at Duke. But uh, I agree, man. I'm really interested to see how that works out. Uh, my last one, it's less confusion, more I just am not quite sure what to make of them, and that's Auburn. Um, this team was really rough last year with when Sharif Cooper was out of the lineup, like really, really rough. Um, Alan Flanagan, who I, is somebody I was higher on than I think consensus, is going to miss most of the season, unfortunately. Um, Jabari Smith obviously is coming in. That's great. There are still guys there in the front court who are good. Like they have – 
a lot of talent on the team, but again, it's another team where I'm just like, I don't really know how this all fits together. And more importantly, I'm not sure um, how they kind of recoup from some of the losses last year. Cause losing JT Thor and Sharif and again, losing Allen is like, I mean, that team was barely a tournament team having both those guys. I think they finished 13 and 14 on the year right around there. Um, and it's not even about where you finish, but it's more just like, okay, is, the, is there enough talent around there to optimize somebody in the front court like that? Um, where are you at with Auburn coming in? Um, I am pretty in, honestly. Um, I love the backcourt with the two transfers. Uh, Wendell Green is very good. Um, I know he has some fans on Twitter. He was, he talked about, he single-handedly killed Dematha at Hoopal when he was with Lalu. Um, just, a, he's small, but extremely skilled. And then to go alongside KT Johnson, uh, who was at Georgia last year, and just the unique avenues of creation he like Wendell's small and quick KD is a, a bigger body big guard um, who wins with some strength and just nifty kind of moving skills I guess you could call them um, so I, I'm I don't necessarily know how it's going to work together but I know I'm a big fan of both of those guys and I think Jabari's really really good um, I think they'll definitely I'm less of a like flailing guy from an NBA standpoint but he's going to be a useful college player for them mm-hmm. um, especially when he's going to be more off ball considering the two guards that they brought in so yeah uh, I'm, I'm very excited for them I think they're gonna be pretty damn good honestly and also I want to do a side note when you said one of your takes is going to have people rub the wrong way. I didn't know which one it was. And I checked the outline and you're going to, if you're ex- upset by this, you'll be fighting Mark and I together. You're going to be fighting us together and I can't wait to get to oh, it. Man. Yeah. Throw yeah. That out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that can move us into our next thing. Uh, best context for a particular prospect. Um, I know you had two, I have one. Um, check us off. Um, so I said this on the podcast with Sean Darenthal. Um, there is no, to me, there is no better fit um, that for any you know, potential first round prospect than Caleb Houston in Michigan. Uh, we saw what Franz Wagner looked like last year. And Franz is definitely ahead of Caleb as a handler and a passer, mm-hmm. but Caleb is a much better scorer and a much, much more willing shooter. So I, I can't wait to see how he fares in like that modern NBA based offense with the constant flow, the second side actions, uh, he's going to be able to make decisions. We are, I'm very interested to see where he is as a passer and what his rim frequency looks like, um, especially because I think he'll be aided by some pick and roll. I don't really see him as a standstill creator, but I don't know if it's going to matter just because the shooting might be that lethal. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Jawan uses him. Uh, very capable movement shooter. We saw some flashes of better handling in FIBA, but they also came with a lot of growing pains. So I'm very excited to see how he handles that usage and kind of what it looks like. But Caleb Houston on the wings with Michigan, I, I think it's a seamless fit. Yeah, my favorite part about Houston during FIBA was just the the shots he was taking, man, like taking yep. a bunch of stuff off the dribble, doing stuff off movement. Um, like that's the kind of stuff that needs to hit for him to become like the the highest level of prospect he can be. Because I agree, I don't really know if I see him as a standstill creator, but he's, I mean, he's a capable passer. It's just going to be how how much does the handle come along? Uh, I love the idea of him just, okay, use, use Hunter Dickinson's gravity, play off that, figure things out from there. Like there's there's a lot to figure out. Um, but that team's talented and, and Juwan Howard's fantastic at putting things together. Um, my guy is uh, going south. And this is not somebody who I think will be in the 2022 draft class, but more somebody who I'm keeping tabs on moving forward. And that's Malachi Branham with Ohio State. Uh, he's a, more of a combo guard, kind of like a small wing. Um, but I just really dig him and his scoring profile. Uh, he's good. And this is I, I already know some people are shaking their heads because he's more of a combo guard than anything else. But um, I really Combo like him guards. coming into this Ohio State team because Ohio State, obviously, moving on from Dwayne Washington, who was another combo guard, was fantastic for them. <laughs> um, this is an old team, like just looking up and down the roster, a lot of seniors and juniors. Um, I believe it was only Malachi and like Kyler Etzler, I think, were the only uh, freshmen coming in this year. Um, they don't really have a very established backcourt. I think there's a chance for Malachi to come in and contribute early, but most importantly, like just ease into more ball handling reps. And I think um, I've liked what Chris Holtman has done. I like the idea of him getting to play alongside EJ Liddell. I just love pairing guards who are learning how to, you know, craft in the half court a little bit more with smart forwards and bigs who can, who can handle DHL reps. So 
I'm excited for him moving forward. Again, it's he's definitely not going to be a one and done guy. At least I'd be surprised, but um, somebody that I think should get a little bit more shine moving forward. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, they're definitely one of the more, I would think they are one of the more experienced teams. Um, EJ's back. So it'll definitely be, the Big Ten's going to be fun to watch. I, yeah. pro- I, pro- I promise. Well, the best um, game, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I had one more. Um, this is one of the more interesting, uh, we'll call it role acceptance fork in the road uh, scenarios for any of the big time prospects. Uh, I'm talking about Jaden Hardy at G League Ignite. Scooter, Scooter Henderson hasn't played for a G League Ignite yet, but I would assume when he is healthy, he will be their starting point guard. Uh, he's by far their best long-term prospect and might be their best player right now, uh, depending upon how well everything, how easily everything translates from like a physicality standpoint. But yeah, Scoot is very good as a true point guard. You're going to thrust him as your primary creator. He creates easy paint touches. He is a capable passer and a damn good score as a point guard. So you're going to, and his biggest weakness right now is probably catching and shooting. So he's going on the ball. Um, and Jaden Hardy, who had previously been thought of as a potential primary creator of your offense, as someone you're going to want to play on the ball and give him a heavy diet of pick and roll reps, in my opinion, um, is in a good situation now to go off the ball and leverage his potential, his probably best skill, which is shot making and shooting. And hopefully Geo Ignite is going to run him off some off-ball actions while Scoot is on the ball. So I think if Jaden Hardy wants to be, um, he can be a very, he can be in a good spot as a combo guard and someone who intertwines between some creation reps, but is mainly running off pin downs, um, just is staying active off the ball. But of course, it's going to rely on his engagement, his win, his willingness, and his acceptance in the role. But I do think uh, for his Jaden Hardy's ultimate NBA role, I think this is a pretty optimal situation for him. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, we've seen in some of the, the first games already that there's going to be some growing pains there. Um, but I'm excited, man. I think you and I are definitely two people who are probably higher on Hardy than uh, than a lot of a, a lot of uh, less mainstream draft people. But um, I'm interested to tag his progress and see how things go this year. Um, that can shift over to us from from context we really like to prospects that we are confused about coming into this year. Um, and I guess we can just you know, I mean, we'll talk about why we're a little bit more confused on them. I'll start. Um, I haven't kept up as much with the international prospects coming in the year. Like obviously I've kept up with the big name ones. Um, Nikola Jovic is just so vexing to me, man. Um, because I always want to bet on guys who just have incredibly high feel and um, see the game, see the court like he does. There are not many guys with his size who can handle like he does, who can pass like he does and can shoot like he does. But there are also not many guys his size that can play in the NBA who are as bad at defense as he is with the same kind of athletic <laughs> profile. I just have no idea what to make of him, honestly. Like, there are skills there that are very tantalizing and are clearly, you know, NBA skills if they're developed a little bit more. But then it's just like, I, I don't know what to make out of everything else from him. And I know we've talked about him a little bit before because he was somebody, um, I mean, he really pops during FIBA. So, I just don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm so. Uh, I'm still in on him as, as a guy moving forward. But I just have. Uh, I, I need to see a lot more moving forward too. Yeah, I mean, I was very impressed with the FIBA stuff. Um, I haven't caught a ton of his stuff, uh, like from with Mega this year yet. But from the stuff I have seen, it's been a little bit inconsistent and yeah. less impressive than I would have hoped. Uh, and it's and I think that kind of checks out when you talk to international people who have been tracking him closely and basically watched all the games so far. So yeah, I definitely echo those sentiments, but someone I'm not fully out on, but definitely need to go back and watch more of to, again, see the defense. Cause I think the defense and the shooting, um, he's got to really shoot it because if he's not shooting in space, the floor at that size, then I don't, I'm not sure the defense is worth it. But um, someone I had uh, who also gained a lot of hype and attention from this summer's FIBA tournament is Dyson Daniels. I uh, played with Australia was, sort of uh, treat as their like combo. It was basically their primary initiator. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying, if I can recall correctly, um, handled all their pick and roll stuff, but has a very elementary school handle. I'm not going to say he can't dribble, but um, you've seen some Julie Ignite stuff yeah. and said he struggled with help, uh, help defenders at the nail, which kind of checks out. Uh, the handle is rigid and loose. So I kind of want to shed some light on him because when I first thought of him, 
the idea of him as a prospect is sort of in this connector role. He's great size for the wing. And if he does shoot it, which I am, I, I honestly have no concept, like I have no clue. Um, the shot mechanics will differ from time to time and from rep to rep, which is obviously not ideal. He has some that are ridiculously clean. Some, one of them off the bounce, if I can remember correctly, but then has other catch and shoot reps where he takes two seconds to dip and has hitches in his energy transformation. So kind of all over the place as a shooter. And I'm happy that we're going to get a full sample of him with the NBA line. Um, that's definitely ideal, but I, I mean, I'm still into Dyson. I think the passing is somewhat intriguing. Like he can make positive decisions. I think he can be a cog in your offense. I'm also very into the defense uh, both on and off the ball. I think he's a smart player there, but I do want to kind of just adjust expectations. I, I think he is more of your like role, like potential star role player prospects. If he hits eye end outcome, the, the creation equity, I, I'm not sure it's there. Um, the handle would need to take substantial leaps for him to, he's strong and he's comfortable leveraging that strength uh, against point of attack defenders, but the handle would need to take multiple leaps uh, for him to carry much creation equity in the NBA. So I, I'm kind of all over the place with him, but I just kind of wanted to dissect where I was at. You're just like his handle all over the place. Um, <laughs> no, dude, I uh, I agree. I like Dyson a lot. I didn't see as much of Australia uh, with FIBA, but I liked what I saw from him. Um, and I just, I agree. Like, I don't know how much equity there is for him on ball. Like the, the handle is just, it's not there right now. Um, like there was uh, specifically, like you mentioned, like there was a lot of nail help that, that came just early in, in the first G league game. And he really struggled with it. Um, I mean, even just bringing the ball up court, he had the ball poked loose pretty easily. Like it's stuff that's elementary and you hope will be fixed up throughout the year. Um, so I don't want to be too harsh after a small sample size, but yeah, I agree. He's really gonna have to shoot it and, and figure out the handle a little bit more from there, but I still believe in him a lot. Like his screen navigation at a size is really good too. He competes defensively. Uh, so yeah, I, I I'm there with you though. And it'll be really interesting to see like, cause he's kind of running point for, for ignite right now. What does that look like when, when scoot comes back? Um, how does that look like for him and Hardy? And how does that kind of, you know, supplant itself? Like, I'm really interested to see how that maneuvers because uh, there's a lot um, that can go into that, but it'll be interesting, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you want to move on to the next category? Yes, that's uh, that's players we're going all in on this year. Um, and I think you and I are, uh, yeah, we, yeah we're, we're pretty much in lockstep with this one. Where do you, where do you want to start here? I mean, we're, we both put him down, so we can yeah. start with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, big, big wing uh, at playing at UW-Milwaukee. Blue chip recruit, uh, staying home to play for his dad. I'm really interested to see what his usage looks like. Um, everyone was kind of, and I, me included, I was like, oh, he's going to mid-major school. He's going to be forced into these on-ball situations. And then I didn't watch the exhibition, but from the clips I saw, they had him running all over the court, uh, running through multiple pin downs and staggers and all that stuff, which was awesome to see. But yeah, I think Patrick Baldwin Jr., there's going to be a lot of things to feel out with in terms of, in terms of his upside, um, like how high, how good can he really be? But like, I'm pretty confident that Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to play in the league and have like be a plus NBA player for a solid amount of time. And like, that's absolutely worth something as, as a prospect. He's 6'9", maybe even 6'10", um, probably the best shooter in the class. And I've, I talked, I think I talked about this with Sean on the Stepping pod, but really impressed with the uh, big man defensive stuff in FIBA. He was playing really good pick and roll coverage, had good weak side help rotations. I'm um, just, was really foundational, uh, which was really, which is good to see. And, and I think you know, he's played in multiple contexts where he isn't the star in AAU. Um, he obviously didn't have a 17, well, he played 17U, but when he was playing up a year, played alongside Reese Beekman, Jamin Brinkfield and Jalen Johnson. So kind of got a little pushed off to the side on that team, I've re he's probably the one guy I wish we had an UIBL sample for his rising senior year because it would have been his team. Um, and that would have been probably the most valuable sample size we had from him as, as the star career, considering his high school plays against local teams in their area. And you can imagine how that goes. But yeah, I'm all the way in on Patrick Baldwin Jr. Big players who can shoot the lights out and play defense are extremely valuable. And I can't wait to see where his decision-making and handling and creation stuff goes. Yeah. I won't lean into it too far because I'm, I'm trying to write something on it right now before the season starts for him. Um, like you mentioned, like he's a guy coming in who I just, 
I loved him going to, I don't know if I quite would say I loved him going to a mid-major school. Like I love the idea of him going to, you know, kind of like it's different. Cause like, obviously, you know, Cade was, was a, I don't want to say higher profile recruit, but like he had a little bit more in terms of creation equity and everything going for him coming in. Um, I like the idea of somebody not going to Duke. Like I, and I'm not trying to shame somebody for going to Duke, but like Patrick Baldwin could very well have gone to Duke. It was one of his final schools. And we know exactly what he would have done. He would have been an off ball player would have probably looked really great next to Paolo Banchero. But like, I want to see him get opportunities. Like you mentioned going back and watching some of his stuff, like he's just kind of always been an off ball guy. But again, with FIBA, like you see, okay, he can attack closeouts. He makes good, he makes good reads. He does things that, that you expect of a role player already. And I already believe in him as being like a 10 year guy in the NBA who, who can start at, at some point. Um, but like, okay, if we get a 25% usage season from him, like, what does that look like? Does that do anything for his handle growing? Do we see instead of, okay, him being a fourth or fifth starter on a team, is he your third starter? Can he do a little bit more attacking off second side and, um, you know, running secondary actions? Like, that's what I really want to see this year. Um, and most importantly, I just want to see him gun it, man. Like like you mentioned, yeah. that that Milwaukee team is actually really interesting. Like, they, they, they got some interesting transfers. They had some quality players who were still there. Um, so I don't know entirely what to make of them, but we're going to see early. They play Florida, which I'm very excited to see that. Um, that'll be a, a huge game for him and just in general on the, in the draft cycle. But I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm so stoked to see PBJ play. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be zero overreactions to <laughs> the Florida game either way. Yeah. One way yeah. Um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. also could have chosen to come to University of Wisconsin and played in the most innovative innovative offense in the entire country, but he chose yeah. otherwise. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely didn't choose otherwise. No comment. Um, um, so, do you want to go? You want to go with your next guy, and then I'll bring it yeah. on this one. My guy this year is Andre Crubello, who I am all in on. He's uh, projected mostly as a high second round guy, which I get. Um, I absolutely loved watching him at Illinois. I just loved watching Illinois last year, frankly. Um, they lost quite a bit, obviously. I mean, Adam Miller transferred. Um, also sucks that he's injured this year. Hope he feels better and gets better. I don't really just feel better from that. Um, Aosumu is gone now after the draft. Kofi Coburn is back after almost transferring. Um, Coleman Hawkins is still there. I'm really interested to see what happens with him. Trent Frazier is still there. Demonte Williams. There's not really as much on the ball. And I think, I mean, Corbello is stepping up after spending most of last year on the bench. Um, I am just so excited to see what can happen with more of him doing things with the ball in his hands. Like, um, I think there's a, a real case that he's close to being one of the best playmakers, if not the best playmaker in the Big Ten this year. Um, like, he's just such a good ball handler, but it all is going to be about scoring and willingness. Like, I think teams really started to key in on that last year that he just didn't want to shoot or wouldn't shoot. Um, he's willing to throw some shit at the rim when he gets downhill. But again, it's more like, okay, you got to do it consistently and find your, find your ways to score. Um, so I'm really interested to see that from him this year, because as much as like, I mean, I don't really believe a ton in Kofi as an NBA guy, but like in terms of what he can do at the college level, like that's, I, I don't think you could ask for a better role man in, in, in NCAA basketball right now. Um, so I'm all in on, on Corbello and, and figuring out what, what his path is because I do, I still believe in him as an NBA guy for sure um, with probably a little bit more upside and just figuring out what that means for him. But regardless, he's an incredibly fun watch. So um, I'm interested to see what that looks like this year. Yeah. I'm definitely with you that he's an NBA guy at some point. Um, I hope it's this year. I'm not sure, but undoubtedly one of the most fun players to watch in the entire country. Uh, it's, it's an experience. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll find passing windows that you never knew existed and slither his way into tight quarters that you also never knew existed. Um, he's an incredible watch again. I mean, I think it does come down to the shot and just the will, like, like you said, willingness and ability to score because the playmaking's there, the paint touches are there, the handling craft is there. He's an absolute hound at the point of attack on defense and is instinctual off the ball as well. It's just going to come down to how much defense is respect him, um, as you got at. Um, my other guy from who I'm pushing all my chips to center table for is Jaden Ivey of Purdue. Um, we talked about com combo guards a little bit earlier, and I mean, I think he's kind of as prototypical as you can get uh, like six, three, six, four played a little bit on and off the ball last year with Purdue is definitely going to see a bigger role and more creation. I, 
part of me wants to see him just be their lead guy and, you know, work out all the kinks and, and figure it all out on the fly. But then I think this is the side I'm leaning more towards is get him, get him going off the ball a little bit too. Let's see what the shooting really looks like. According to, if you look at his UIBL stuff and his high school stuff, last year was out an outlier bad shooting uh, output from him. So I do want to see him off the ball a little bit. I want, he was really, really good as a cutter with, with FIBA and with Team USA and FIBA. So I do want to see those off ball skills leverage still um, as much as I want to see the playmaking and the decision-making improve. And I do think it will over time with reps, but the appeal with him is uh, the on-ball creation and then the ability if he is shooting to also play off of it on offense and be a, be a be a cutter, space the floor, maybe shoot with some versatility. And then his first step is just absolutely wicked. Um, getting into the paint. There's there's some finishing stuff that I'd like to see him work out. Uh, getting all the way to the rim, not settling once you get a step and trying for these wonky extension finishes. But yeah, I, he's going to get there. Like he's going to get in the paint, um, maybe develop a little bit of a floater and get comfortable there. But I, I'm very, very into what he could provide from an offensive versatility standpoint. Yeah, as and that this is all given that he shoots. Um, if he shoots like he did as a freshman again, then I think the pitch gets a lot more difficult considering where he is as a playmaker. But I'm confident that he's going to shoot it better this year. And if he does, just that kind of opens up all the doors for him. Yeah, man, I am. I'm right there with you. He was. Uh, I mean, to me, it. Would you say that he was the best player for Team USA during FIBA? Um, That's probably not a hot take, is it? Probably or at least best him. perimeter player. Yeah, definitely the best perimeter player between him or Chet, uh, depending upon the game. But definitely, yeah. he was definitely their best guard. Yeah, he flashed like crazy. I loved, like, especially like you mentioned too, um, seeing what he could do off the catch was like, I mean, what, like he can catch somebody, of course, with the ball in his hands in his first step. But like, if if somebody's closing out to him, it's kind of over. Um, so I agree. I'm really interested to see what that looks like for him this year. Um all right. Well, I guess we can move now well, to. There was oh, one. Sorry, I just, no, I just wanted one last point on Ivy. Um, and this is something I talked about in the the piece on paint touches, is that you know the difference the difference in difficulty of your playmaking reads and the thresholds that are different. I get keep repeating that word. The difference in thresholds between guys who get easy paint touches and draw defensive attention versus guys who don't and are forced to manipulate the defense at every single point when they're trying to playmate mm -hmm. for their teammates. And uh, there's just running back in some of his Purdue film. They're, they're not advanced decisions by any means. I'm not claiming that he's moving defenders. I'm not claiming that he is even throwing like what live dribble drop-offs. These are simple kickouts or laydowns, but just because of his ability to consistently get into the paint, beat his initial man off the dribble. These are, are windows that are consistently open for him. And these are opportunities that are always presented to him. So while well, I would like to see a leap in his processing and his advanced reads and all that, there is still some playmaking equity for him because as long as he can be decisive, um, as long as he's going to be decisive, getting to the or getting into the second level of the defense and making them rotate and, and garnering this attention, like, there's going to be equity for him there. And I do think we'll see him realize some of that this year. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, all right, well, let's move into our next section. Guys who are underrated in the mainstream that we want to highlight really quick. Um, I have two that I'll just go kind of quickly off the back and then we can talk a little bit more about your guy. Um, I have Matthew Cleveland, number one, just because uh, part of me is I haven't seen a ton of Matthew Cleveland. I've liked a lot of what I've seen. And it's Leonard Hamilton in Florida State. I just uh, I don't I don't want to just say it's strictly buying into that, but um, I do think that there's a real tendency. I mean, real not tendency, a real chance that he could just pop this year. Um, I'm interested to see what that looks like. Um, and Max Christie at Michigan State. This Michigan State team is so weird, though, man. I have no idea what to make of them. I know I've said that about a couple of teams, but Michigan State is like. Is this finally Marcus Bingham's year? Uh, I don't know about that. I've been waiting. I'm not sure. Um, if we still get to watch Foster Lawyer. Um, that It's just a very weird team, and I, I think he's going to be asked to do a lot because it's kind of like him, and I can't remember who the other freshman is coming in right now, but um, obviously losing Aaron Henry was huge for them. Josh Langford's not there anymore. Um, there are a lot of reps up for debate here. Um, and Max Christie is somebody who's really interesting to me, just profiling more as a shooter who can do a lot defensively. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of 
creation looks like for him. But um, I don't know if you have thoughts on either of those two. But um, I'm very interested. Well, obviously, uh, wings that have some ball skills going to Florida. Wings State, who do uh, shit, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd be a fool. You'd be a fool at this point to um, not take them seriously at the very minimum. Um, and I like Christie. Christie was someone I haven't really watched any of his recent stuff. Uh, he played on the UAA. I didn't catch again some of his high school. He played for his public local public high school. But when I first saw him at U16 and he was a rising sophomore, maybe um, I liked him back then. Uh, definitely. Like, as you said, taller shooter back then, he was extremely, extremely skinny. Um, still a little on like the thin side now, but definitely seems to have put on some muscle, especially in his upper body and following Michigan state people. He, he's definitely been working in the weight room for sure. So I'm very, very interested to him. I mean, he's six, six on the wing. It seems like he has a good stroke and we'll kind of see from there. I don't have a ton of thoughts on him because I haven't seen him in two years, maybe like two and a half years, but I do remember liking him uh, a couple of years back. Yeah, definitely. So who is, uh, who is your guy? Um, my guy is Kendall Brown, uh, the wing from Baylor, from uh, who went to play at Sunrise Christian last year. Um, there are three Baylor prospects on the ESPN Top 100, and he is not one of them. You cannot tell me in any circumstance is he the fourth best prospect on his team. He's the best prospect on his team, and I just think he's extremely underrated in um, the mainstream circles for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, I, I guess his game isn't necessarily traditional. Um, he's not someone who I kind of view him as a four more than a wing. So, uh, but I'm on offense. He's going to be that offense is where he's going to need to come along um, to keep it short and simple and straight to the point. The handle is a little meh, or not so great. Um, the shooting is inconsistent. I don't know how much I trust it yet. He's not very willing, but when he does shoot, it doesn't look bad at all. Um, but he's very good as a cutter and he is a freaky athlete. So he's someone, what I picture, like I picture your ultimate short role for um, someone who can, you can trust to make decisions and who is also going to carry vertical uh, lob gravity because of how springy he is. He's instinctual as a cutter off the ball. Um, he's going to need to hit catch and shoot threes because if he doesn't shoot at all, um, then he probably runs into just being a negative on offense. But the defense is where he's going to make his money. Uh, incredibly fluid laterally, super instinctual, and just jumps passing lanes like it's nothing cons very consistently. Um, and it's just in transition as well. He's comfortable running in transition both with the ball and without. And like, like I said, just freak athlete who's incredibly smart and if he continues to add just the slightest bit of ball skills and can maybe iron out the jumper, I just want to see him shoot it, to be honest. Um, mm. It doesn't look bad, as I mentioned, and especially one off the dribble, which I, I think I clipped and tweeted, which I had no expectations of seeing in the high school game that I saw. But yeah, I, I really think he'll probably come off the bench for Baylor. Um, I think maybe he starts, but I think he's going to be in a very low usage role and as our guy Ross Holman said, he's going to make his money off opportunistic scoring um, as a cutter, cleaning up the glass, offensive rebounds as a role man um, and in transition and hopefully catch and shoot jumpers. But I'm very, very into Kendall Brown and, and think he's definitely a one and done caliber prospect. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen anything on him, so I'm going to have to get back to you on that. But now I'm very excited to watch him. Um, gives me somebody to watch at Baylor now that Mark Vital's gone, which it still makes oh, me sad. Man. Dude, I miss watching him already. He was so good. I hope that things work out for him in the NFL. But um, two quick things. Number one, I forgot Foster Lawyer is not playing anymore. I thought I think he transferred. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know he's not on the roster anymore. And secondly, my guy, if he was going to be healthy this year, was going to be Langston Love. I really liked Langston Love. I'm, I'm so sad that he's out for the year, man. Uh, I still believe in him as an NBA prospect moving forward. But, yeah, another guy at Baylor. Um, Baylor's going to be freaking good again, basically. But, um, all right, let's move towards guys who we think might not back up the hype. And uh, we I just want to put in the, in the frame, we don't mean this and, like, we think this guy's going to fail or he's not going to be this or he's not going to be that. More just, like, I don't know. I think there, where we're coming from this is there are some guys who have been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of good – uh, publicity slash hype, but I just think in some ways it's maybe a little much. Like, um, I don't know. Is, are you kind of coming from the same place with that? Like, I think it's more about just setting realistic expectations for guys heading into the year. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I don't, this isn't it to say this guy is bad. Or this guy is a bad prospect. He's a non-prospect. It's, um, I'm probably about 15 spots lower than you on this guy. And that's fine. Um, as we said, we're not here to say we're right, you're wrong. We're just here to give opinions and, and further discussion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you want um, to do your you want I feel like we could start with your guy. How many quotes are we gonna get on this one? Uh, uh, it's our it's this it's is our this is the one, right? Uh that you were mentioning. Yeah, this is the I, one I was uh, referring to. Yeah. I am lower on Benedict Maturin. Um, and that's with noting that I like Benedict Maturin a lot. He's a clear NBA guy, he's a clear first round player. I am seeing like Benedict Maturin top 10, and I just don't know where that's coming from. Um like I liked some of what he did at FIBA. I obviously he was very good at Arizona last year. Um, but I just that I, I don't think that he's a creator. I don't think he's a creation bet. Like the handle is not there. I don't really believe in him as a passer like that. But I do think he's a really nice off-ball player who's going to make a lot of sense in the NBA as a big physical wing. Like there there is room for that, but I just don't know where some of the he's a potential creator is coming from. And I think it's kind of set in. And you know what? I could be wrong on this, but just from what I have seen, I, I don't see that. Um, and I think it's setting him up for some unrealistic expectations coming into the year, to be honest. How tall do you think he is? 6'5". Maybe. Okay, yeah, I think I'd agree. Maybe I think he's six listed four, at 6'6 yeah. normally, but I don't, I don't think he's 6'6". He's listed... He on sports reference, he was listed at six seven. Oh, I was looking he's not his sports reference page. And I he was shorter than Caleb Houston, and they play on the same team, yeah, by a decent, by like a good couple of inches, too. Um, yeah, and I don't even know, would you have, would you say Caleb's six seven? I don't know, Caleb, I think Caleb's probably like six six and a half, six, maybe six seven. Um, so the thing with. Mathurin, Mathurin is is that how you pronounce his name? I've honestly I like, think so. I think it's Mathurin. It could be. It okay. might be Mathurin. I I, I don't yeah. know, man. I got to get better on it. Um, the thing with him is that he's six. He's guard sized. Um, he's not wing sized, and that's kind of as you keep bumping down the peg of wing to guard. That's the more creation responsibilities you're going to have to to take on. And I, I'm with you. I don't really see it. Um, the FIBA stuff was extremely evident that he struggled not as a primary as a secondary. Um it just it just wasn't there and it kind of that's what Caleb got thrusted into that role because when Ryan Nemhard didn't have the ball in his hands or was on the bench um Canada was miserable to watch and I'm not saying it all falls on his shoulders but that was clearly when they constructed that team for the talent that was available to them it, I would assume that they thought he could fill some of that role um and he just didn't look very good in the role um I, I, with the Arizona stuff I mean, I just think it requires a lot of projection. Like, I understand he had good stats. I understand he had good advanced numbers. He's younger. He's a good athlete. But I, I just, I've never really, he's never really popped for me when, when I turn on the film. Um, I think for me, he would need to really dive into some of the movement shooting more. I think it's a lot of standstill. It's a lot of this, hey, um, someone else is going to drop. Like, his 30, I'm not, like, denouncing a 30 piece. Like, a 30, 30 points is 30 points. But, like, it was a lot of catch and shoot jumpers and a lot of transition buckets. Like it was easy stuff. Um, and I just, I'm kind of waiting for him to take that next step, whether that be as a creator or a shooter, because it's going to have to come in one of the other, one of those facets, in my opinion. Um, I'm not all the way out on him. I don't know if he's a, I think he's probably like a back end first guy um, in, in my board right now. So I'm not totally out. It's my thing with him is more of like a, prove it to me like I'm not anti um I'm just not I don't really see it yet yeah no I agree like I think this is a big year for him in terms of uh kind of living up to that stuff because that's you know that's more where we're coming from like I just don't know like based on what we've seen right now I don't I don't agree with with lottery for Benedict turn like um I do think like just to counter a little bit like I do think I would consider more of a wing like but I mean part of that too is like because that's what his skill set is but I do think he can play like two, three a little bit because he's got a bigger wingspan. He's strong. Like, um, but like to your point, too, he shot 42% from three last year, which is great, but it's coming on mostly catch and shoot stuff, which you need that to be more in the league if that's what your equity is going to be. So it's just a, a lot of like we need to see it this year. Um, so let's move into your guy. Uh, for anybody yeah. who's still listening after that, uh, who's your guy? Um, I have Yannick and Zosa. Um, I just, he's set currently seventh on ESPN's board. Um, 
I kind of am I'm holding out with him as like a mid first guy right now, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in like the late teens, early twenties. But um, the thing with Enzoza is, I mean, he popped when I watched the first time I saw him was when I was watching Roko's A and GT game, and I was like, who is this dude? Like he is doing freaky stuff because um, he does do that, he, and the movement skills, the ground coverage, and all that stuff are impressive, and the physical tools are clearly there, but. Um, he's just an extreme negative on offense right now. Um, he's not a decision maker. He other If it's not a layup or, or a dunk, then he's not really going to be able to give you much. And I think he needs to be an elite defensive prospect to kind of warrant that. I don't even know if he's going to be able to, if that would warrant like the top 10 or top five hype, um, but to even be like a first round, like a mid first round prospect, a lot fringe lottery guy, he would need to be an elite defensive prospect. And I'm just like not really seeing it yet. Um, I know some people I saw a video about talking about it was a bunch of clips about like his struggles in the pick and roll, but just not necessarily kind of just getting stuck in the in-between zone and drop coverage where you're not really taking away the big, but you're not really challenging the guard either. And just like that just requires an innate feel that I'm not trying to say you have it or you don't, but like he's going to need to progress in that area, um, especially as a pick and roll defender. I just think the pitch with him, you're de- you're definitely adopting a long-term project because, um, and then from a strength standpoint as well, um, he definitely would need to put on strength. But yeah, I just think he's pretty far away from from being, the, and I get the theoretical appeal, but at some point you're you're going to have to get there uh, to warrant the sort of hype that he's getting, and I'm not fully there with him yet. So let me ask you this. Here's a question. This is my, not meant as a rhetorical, um, like I'm being serious. And I'm interested to see what you say, because I think we're probably going to align on this. Uh, is Usman Garuba this time last year or most of the way done with the cycle, a better defensive prospect than Yannick and Souza? My opinion, yes. And that's kind of who I was thinking I would about. agree, too. And that's why it's a little bit like I don't know quite because I don't remember Usman getting like he got some background of the uh, of the lottery. Um, from ESPN and, and bigger bigger draft sites last year, but he never got close to this, and he clearly did quite a bit more on offense. And again, yep. I like and so is a lot, but I agree with you. Like, I don't know if I see some of the uh, like. I mean, Usman was freaking generational with some of the stuff that he's doing in terms Garubo, of like craft. Garuba was in, 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 ah, in so was... it's almost like unfair to compare somebody to him. But at the same time, like when you have more offensive limitations than Usman Garuba did without any of the uh you know the passing chops or feel or just all, all again just ultimate feel for the game like it's a lot harder to project that uh just coming in um so i agree like i still believe i mean he's definitely a first round guy to me there's a lot of interest there yeah. but it's gonna be a lot of tracking what he's doing this year yeah uh, i wish gruba was 611 um, <laughs> dude me too i wish he could jump his, too. that'd be sick his defensive instincts and just ability there are off the charts good and i just the thing with garuba like garuba had incredible defensive impact as an 18 or 19 year old playing in euro league um and zoza has tools and the potential to have that impact but he's not instead of having that impact right now um and kind of even look like i'm not comparing him to wemby but like wemby is like impacting the game defensively in the euro league as being a year and a half two years i'm not sure what their birthdays are but like if you're that generation, the defensive end, you're going to possess that impact. And Yannick, it's just not there right now. Um, and for, if that's going to be your calling card, like it needs to be concrete. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Um, well, to close this out, uh, we're going to go through a couple of our under the radar prospects headed into the year. And I guess, how would we phrase what our, I mean, I, I think all these guys end up more like second round or out of the second round currently right now. We went very under the radar with yeah. this. Um, yeah. but that's what we're here for, man. Uh, who's your first guy? Um, I promise I don't have any DMV bias. Uh, we've been bringing <laughs> up to math a lot yeah. on this podcast, but Justin Moore, um, Justin Moore was, and I think so in high school, he was at a lot of on-ball responsibilities, but he's an incredible shooter. Um, and he can be leveraged off the ball. I think he's looked good in Nova's scheme. I'm looking for a playmaking jump from him uh, it, with more on-ball responsibility playing alongside Gillespie. I know he can score. I know he can shoot. Um, but the two biggest areas of improvement for him are two-point efficiency, like especially around the rim and playmaking. Um, but I definitely think he could be an NBA guy at some point. I'm kind of waiting on the leap both in like NBA draft hype and production. 
I think his box score numbers were pretty damn good last year, but just kind of taking that next step um, as he is another year is now a junior and taking on more responsibilities, but uh, definitely someone to keep track. You want me to just run through all three of them? Cause it's yeah, going to be sure, relatively quick. Um, another Justin, Justin Powell, uh, he popped in a couple of the Auburn games, then kind of got caught up in an injury, but just an interesting, like w- small wing slash combo guard who can, um, attack and just do a little bit of a little bit of everything like kind of a swiss army knife popped in some statistical stuff before he kind of got an injury um ended up sitting out a couple games but yeah just someone who made a ton of flashes um in a couple of the early games for auburn and is now at tennessee um i guess opted for a fresh start so seeing him play alongside kenny chandler i think he's someone worth tracking and then lastly um i remember he was kind of like the star of the champions classic last year uh, for me, I was like, oh, this dude's going to be, he, he's my sleeper prospect this year, but it kind of didn't pan out. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like all of Kansas. Got yeah. Much, yeah. It, nah, I'm, I'm going to be pushing Ochai heavy this year. I'm expecting. No, I still wish that he'd entered the, the draft last year, but I, yeah. 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 Um, but is it Brown or Brown? I always, I, I think, think it's, brown. it's Brown. I'm pretty sure it's, it's brown. brown. I've heard Brown on ESPN broadcast. Spelled Brown, but I think it's definitely Brown. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to double check that. So Christian Brown, um, it's, it's the shooting and athleticism uh, is kind of the pitch for him. Doesn't offer much off the bounce right now, but if the clip is real and it's on volume and it's versatile and he can definitely – Definitely is a definition of don't judge a book by its cover in terms of how he is as an athlete. Um, can play above the rim and hopefully guard up. He has a good frame. I'm like pretty strong for an off guard. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in tracking him as well. Yeah, no, I liked him. I feel like he did some good stuff defensively too. I'd have to go back through my notes, but I remember liking him quite a bit. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a throwback, man. Uh, this is a very random niche thing, but it was that game against Texas Tech. I think the first Texas Tech-Kansas game Jalen Wilson looked awesome. Terrence Shannon Jr. was shooting off the dribble threes. And the things just did not go well for either of them the rest of the year. But, uh, man, yeah, heartbreaking. Um, You know, it's going to change up. Fingers crossed. My three guys, um, and again, I promise you, I am not biased. I know I'm going with another Ohio guy. But it's strictly because he just is not getting a lot of hype. And I'm not sure where it is. I've checked with other people. And they see him as a potential NBA guy soon. Ryan Rollins out of University of Toledo. I wrote a, a piece on him showing a lot of his stuff from this last year. Just super smooth. Again, he's more of a wing than a than a than a guard. He's around, he was 6'4 last year. He might have grown a little bit, but he was pretty slight. I think he's right around 180, but he's at least a plus four wingspan. Um, like just really, really good size. He grew a lot defensively throughout the year, played as a true freshman, and he averaged right around 12 or 13 points per game. Uh, the assist numbers like really do not tell the story with him as a passer. Like he makes very advanced reads. He has extremely good composure in the half court. Um, and I think he's going to gun it this year as a shooter. Um, a lot of it's going to be strength, but Marion Jackson is in Arizona state now. So it's going to be a lot of Ryan Rollins on ball reps, which I am a huge fan of. Um, so keep him on your radar for sure. Um, who else? Uh, Micah Peavy, a guy who I think was like decently high RSCI. I think he was like number 79 or something like that in his class, but obviously played two years at Texas tech uh, has had really good pops defensively, never really had things go right offensively. Um, he's in T- he's at TCU now after transferring. I am not sure what to make of him. I still believe like he does enough defensively to make me believe in him as having an NBA school there, but it's just going to be what what happens offensively this year. Is there anything with the jump shot? Um, is he a better free throw shooter? Show me something. Uh, so I'm trying to see this year. Uh, and then my last guy is probably the guy that I just want. I, this is where you and I actually, I think, started talking about draft stuff last year. That's Jalen Bridges out of WVU. I watched WVU a lot last year because I love Deuce. Um, I loved Oscar Shibwe before he transferred. Still love Oscar Shibwe. Um, But, yeah, I mean <laughs> – Deuce is gone. Derek Culver is gone. Um, it's still Sean McNeil. Like, there's still a couple of guys there offensively, but for the most part, Jalen Bridges is going to get a lot of opportunities this year, and I like that. Like, he is, I think, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, good size as a wing. He's a good cutter, solid shooter. Need to see him improve on movement and stuff, but he showed enough last year that made me think he's a, a potential NBA guy. Um, so I would definitely look out for him and wouldn't be too surprised if he shocks some people this year. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I think I threw out a tweet about him last year. Um, just on the broadcast, you hear it too. They're like, oh, he's killing it in practice. Like it's only, Huggins says it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Um, but yeah, he definitely makes some plays that pop. I'm very excited for him. West Virginia is going to be interesting this year. Um, not my favorite brand of basketball, but Deuce was obviously must watch last year. Um, so I'm excited for what he brings to the table. And always Big 12 basketball is incredibly fun. It is, man. Well, Jake, this was an absolute blast, dude. Do you want to, do you have any other closing thoughts before we get out of here? I honestly don't. Um, nothing to plug. I've been pretty inactive with the basketball stuff lately. Um, hoping when these exams get done to maybe bang out one of the overtime elite games or um, G League Night games before uh, we get started on Tuesday. But once Tuesday hits, uh, we're going to be running rampant. So um, I yes, can't we wait. Are. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm already drinking a lot of coffee. It's going to be a lot. I think I'm, I'm changing my alarm starting in, uh, in, what, two days? I think I'll be waking up earlier than ever. It'll be great, though. I'm very excited to watch as much basketball as possible, uh, get more going on this pod. I'm excited, man. This is going to be a great cycle. I'm really stoked for this. Thank you to everyone who followed us on Twitter. If you've not already, be sure to go do that uh, to keep up with us. And, of course, rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We are up there now. We will have an intro uh, track for the pod starting for our next podcast um so yeah we will catch up with you guys after the championships class champions classic next week uh thank you guys for listening to the tag the roll have a good rest of your day jake i'll talk to you later man talk to you later man thank you some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with allstate not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.